call me when Toronto is for real. Because I, I just, I can't buy Toronto. I've seen this movie before. Third year in a row that you face them and, and they've knocked you out. What is it about this matchup that gives you guys so much trouble? Maybe they just got our number. Last three years, they have been a reason why we have an event. The Toronto Raptors have fired head coach Dwayne Casey. Episode of the Stay Eyes Podcast. Once again, I'm Chris. I'm here with my man Joe. What's going on, brother? What's happening, man? Uh, I know we're on opposite sides on this, but there's a crosstown classic going on between the Cubs and the Sox. Probably the um, um. most anticlimactic in a long time. Is uh, both. I mean, the Sox are expected to not be good, but the Cubs are a little disappointed too. I would think. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I'm trying not to dog your White Sox because I mean, realistically, they're in a rebuilding uh, frame of mind right now, and they have the talent that's coming up through the pipeline. You know, obviously from the help of the Cubs, you know, Eloy and the boys. But uh, I can't really gloat too much because the Cubs are seems like they've been all over the place this year, so. Hopefully they get on a winning streak and get out of this sub par five hundred record. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's not it's not too much drummed up interest, and then the weather doesn't help. It's been pretty rainy here in Chicago uh, for the past yeah, couple suck. Of days. So like I'm, I'm looking at it. It seems like the game right now is even delayed. Um, so. Yeah, they're supposed to be starting real soon, but uh, I'm not sure. Because, I mean, uh, outside right now, it sounds like it's coming down pretty bad. So, I I don't know when they're going to start the game. They may delay it and cancel it. I don't know. Yeah. But we didn't come here to talk about all that. Um, some Nah. <laughs> some breaking news in sports, specifically in the NBA. Raptors head coach, now the former Raptors head coach, Dwayne Casey. <laughs> was relieved of his duties uh, after winning uh, Coach of the Year from his peers. What's your thought on that, Jordan? Man, let me tell you something. I would cause all type of ruckus. If I'm at my job and you tell me I am the employee of the month, give me a badge of honor, you give me a certificate, maybe a, a, a gift card to Subway, then I come in next day and you give me my papers to leave. I'm causing I'm causing all type of havoc. There is no way in the world Dwayne Casey should have got fired. Now, I'm not going to be naive and sit here and say, I don't know why he got fired. Obviously, they got their butts kicked by the Cavaliers, the upstart Cavaliers, with everybody else and LeBron. But 
I'm sorry. It, it, he's a good coach. That was a good team. They should have brought it a little bit harder in that series, but that's that's just kind of that's just kind of bogus to me. You know, you he clearly was voted in by the coaches as coach of the year, and then he's let go. So that, that didn't make any sense. But hey, one for me. Before anybody goes racial with this, because Dwayne Casey was one of the African American black coaches in the NBA. Before anybody goes racial with hired Dwayne Casey is also black. So let's kill that now. Secondly, mm. um, I, I, I disagree, man. Dwayne Casey was rightfully fired. But the, the thing is, is to, when you're in Toronto, you're in a mode right now where you're trying to get from B to championship. And when you consistently fail, if you have your quote-unquote stars in place and you, you don't anticipate improving on those things and you're consistently failing in the exact same way every year, something has to change. A voice has to change. Dwayne Casey's been there for a while, and he's getting pretty much the same result come playoff time. You know, he, he's he's – basis to teams with lesser talent. Now, these Cleveland Cavaliers, yes, they have arguably the best player in the NBA on their team in LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's nothing else. I mean, Kevin Love, yes, is an all-star, and he played fairly well uh, in, in the series. But what else is there? When you're getting killed by J.R. Smith, who hasn't played with any measure of interest all year. Thompson comes out of nowhere, starts starting again after what he's been going through. And he's coming in and he's killing. Uh, Cal Corver's a professional. He's going to do his job. But even he played above what he normally puts out. Those are the things that, they, to me, can get a coach fired in that situation because now you're just not making adjustments uh, to certain situations. You know, if I see that J.R. Smith is getting 20 points a game in a series, what am I doing to make sure he doesn't do that anymore? And then there were some close games there where you look at end-of-game situations, and Toronto looked terrible. Um, you had one situation, I believe it was, uh, was that game three where LeBron hit the shot. Uh, down the stretch, you saw some plays out of timeouts. Uh, one play that yeah. was four seconds on the shot clock. And the play was designed where the fail-safe was to throw the ball in the backcourt to Fred Van Vliet with four seconds on the shot clock. I mean, yeah. those, those are mistakes that, as a coach, you can't make. And when they lost game one, where they had complete control of the oh, game. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and Cleveland's plugging back and plugging back and plugging back and eventually wins that game after not leading the entire regulation, now your team has that mentality, and it showed the rest of the series. That team looked defeated. That team had that look on their face like, no matter what we do, we can't beat these guys. And as a coach, it is now your job to instill in that, in that team confidence. Not to mention, getting back to strategically what Casey's doing, and, and as you remember, uh, 
when the Bulls would always beat the Raptors, no matter how how much better the Raptors were. Yeah. So. Yeah. What would happen in those games, and this has happened, this happened in the Cleveland series. What would happen in those games would you would spend an entire quarter throwing the ball to Jonas Valanciunas, and Jonas Valanciunas would get the ball and he would go seven for eight in the first quarter with eight rebounds, and then he would never see the ball again. That's what happened in the Cleveland series. Cleveland could not do anything with Jonas Valanciunas. There's no reason Jonas Valanciunas shouldn't have scored 20 points a game if you consistently fed him the basketball. They did not have an answer for him. He he bullied Kevin Love on the offensive side, and they should have kept throwing him the ball. Keep your big man engaged. I know we're in a in an era of basketball where it's all about the wings, but it's also yeah. all about mismatches. And when you got a guy who's taking advantage of the man who's guarding him that often and that frequently, you have to continue to give him the basketball. And again, that's the job of the coach. A lot of their offense was not well designed, was not well scripted. Defensively, they were always out of place. You know, you're talking about a team that, that defensively throughout the season did pretty well, but they were always out of place against Cleveland defensively. So a lot of those things do go back to coaching. It's not entirely his fault, but guess what? You can't fire DeMar DeRozan for being less less than mediocre in this series. You can fire Dwayne Casey, and he bears enough responsibility for that loss, again, to Cleveland, to have gotten the axe. Yeah, um, you know what? That 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 that's a good that that's a good argument. I I can't really say anything against that, um, surprisingly. But I uh, I do agree with you that that first game, man, that kind of took the air out of their sails because at first I completely thought that they had that game under wraps. I thought they had the uh, the W and the way that they lost. I'm with you. I think mentally it just took them out of the rest of the series, and they're trying to figure out, man, if we were supposed to win this game, how in the world are we going to win, you know, game two, three, four, and so on and so forth? And, you know, yeah, a coach is supposed to make those adjustments. You know, you see something not working, or like you said, you see a mismatch with one player versus another, like Jonas Valanciunas uh, versus Kevin Love. That's a clear height advantage for the Raptors. And Jonas has some decent post moves. He has a decent shot. He's a he's a decent rebounder. You know, all those things are working in your favors. And you feed it into the post more. You go through a big man, you know, and then kick it out to your other superstars. But here's my thing too, man. Uh, you factoring in, um, not 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 taking away anything from what Dwayne didn't do uh, as a head coach, but and then you got a a superstar. And I really don't know what where DeRozan's head was at because you know. He's dealing with depression for one reason or another. So I don't know how just locked in he was. Um, I did see a lot of softness from the Raptors as a whole, as a team, and that probably contributed to their downfall. Um, They didn't make adjustments. And, of course, LeBron, when you have the best player probably still in the league on your team, that trumps a lot of things that an opponent can do and how diverse he is and how he can break your team down. We've talked about this before. 
the ability that he has to break a team down and just dissect, um, you know, what you're trying to do against the Cavaliers, that 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 can be understated. Um, so regardless of the other insignificant pieces on that Cavs team, yeah, you got J.R. Smith. He's a, a microwave. Once he hits and he, he gets hot, he gets hot. You know, Kevin Love is still a, a really decent player and a good compliment to LeBron. Kyle Korver, he he can make that three, man. I mean, coming around that corner, he's perfected that shot with a spot-up three in the corner. So, you know, they were just making their shots, too. You can't fault the Cavaliers for just making their shots as well. That was another reason. And they were just balling out. So I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I do have to agree that perhaps Casey didn't do his the best job of making those adjustments. Not saying that he didn't make any adjustments. I'm sure, you know, you know, anybody with a pair of eyes can say, OK, well, let's switch up the game plan. We didn't win this way. Well, let's let's try to, you know, come with a different approach. But uh, overall, you know, perhaps he did need to get that boot for, for valid reasons. I mean, this is when you and I and I see where you're coming from. Um, but I, I said this going into the playoffs. I said this during the regular season. Nothing about this Toronto team, from Casey through all the players, told me that anything different was going to happen in this series. And we saw nothing different in this series from what we've seen in past Toronto Cleveland series. They guarded LeBron the exact same way, never gave him any different looks, the exact same way they have the last three or four years, never gave him anything different to look at. Um, and LeBron has seen this before. Everything they did, he's seen before. And, and that's not to take anything away from LeBron. LeBron is a great player. He sees the floor well, very aware. Uh, and these are all understatements, I guess, but very aware of the surroundings on the basketball court. Um, is a student of the game as far as looking at tape, understanding how the opponent is trying to attack him. But yet and still, yeah. you have to throw different combinations of things for him to look oh, somebody's doing that, why do the same thing over and over again? It's like... It's, you don't think they tried to do that, though? It doesn't appear that way. It, it didn't appear that way. I don't know, man. I think I think LeBron is just the Rubik's cube, man. I think anything you throw at him, he's just gonna deflect it. I I I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they didn't throw everything at him. And I'm not saying throw everything at him. I'm talking about adjusting your your defensive schemes, your defensive approaches to things. Where are the doubles coming from? When you're gonna collapse? At what point on the floor are you gonna bring a double team? If so, are you gonna double team at all? If you double team, who are you going to leave off of? Who's going to be open? It got to the point where LeBron knew exactly who's going to be open every time. It got to the point where LeBron knew where the double team was coming from every single time because they were doing the same things over and over again. Yeah. And, I mean, that's yeah. what I saw. Now, I, I could be wrong. Honestly, I didn't see every single minute uh, of these games. But, I mean, I, I could be wrong. And it was just Le, LeBron's great. LeBron's great. And I'm, I'm hearing people say, well, basically, our deal because of LeBron's greatness. But, and then people make the comparison that, you know, how many coaches got fired when Jordan was around and teams uh, couldn't get past the Bulls. But there's a distinct, uh, here we go. There's a distinct difference here. There's a distinct difference yeah. here. LeBron James 
has beaten you 10 straight games in the playoffs, meaning he has swept you at least twice in a row. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You a game in two years, two and a half years, you haven't beaten LeBron in the playoffs. You don't know how that feels. So I didn't even realize that. that. That's crazy. I didn't know that stat. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto hasn't beaten LeBron James in the playoffs in over two years. And it's, those are the types of things you have to look at when you look at the track record. Coaching, coaching is, is about track record. Yeah, you have some guys who, who have a great year or some guys who find a, a combination of players and it makes them look good for a year. But to me, a true test of a coach is is your track record. And even if you take out your track record, it's how you manage men. Uh, yeah. It's how you make adjustments and how you game plan. So we're talking about pregame adjustments, in-game adjustments, post-game adjustments, things that vary from game to game, because that's what the playoffs is all about. I've said this before. When you're going through the regular season, you have some teams who can compile these 55, 60, 65 win seasons because every night you're playing a different team. And there is a, there right. is a skill to that, to game planning every night for a different team. But for the most part, you're going to just play your game and that other team is going to have to do whatever they're going to do to beat you. But there is a skill to game planning game by game for a different team. But it takes a really good head coach to have your team prepared mentally and have your team prepared strategically to play the same team over and over for over a week. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's to true. Where, yeah, that that's that's where you make your bread. Because yeah. now that opponent, your opponent, is eat, sleep. That opponent is eating, sleeping, drinking, everything you do. Everything's being dissected. Yeah, you know what? That's that's a good point. I uh man, you said that stat and I'm like 10 games over a two two so <laughs> you didn't got swept by this man at least two times just like you said. I mean, at this point, you should have already tried to throw everything at him. I mean, I don't know what what will work. Perhaps I don't know. Perhaps throwing something literally at LeBron will work. You maybe need to throw a kitchen sink at that fool. Injured the man, and then you can get it to the finals. Good lord, I mean, ten times. And, and and that's the thing is like it should at, at some point you can understand why it wears on the players, why there's a lack of confidence when they lost game one in the way that they did. Yeah, because they're like we can't beat this guy, we can't beat this team. And so now you put yourself in a precarious position as a coach, so you got to dig them out of these doldrums. And get a win. See, one win would have changed the end. That game one, had they gotten game one, Dwayne Casey would have a job right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you. Yeah, he would be still around, but the way they lost and just just the pure <laughs> just way that they lost all those those games after that, it it was it, it was time to go. You're right. And now, just getting to Toronto as a whole and how I feel about them, um, I've expressed my feelings on Cal Lowry, how Cal Lowry is either the worst, best basketball player in the world or the best, bad basketball player in the world. 
I think they're the same thing, aren't they? And, and mind you, he played well in this series, and he had a different type of season to where he was a little more tame, a little more under control. Um, but there's that. And then, despite yeah. the fact DeMar DeRozan had a great year, I have now come to a conclusion. DeMar DeRozan is the second best player on a really good team. Yeah, he's Jimmy Butler on steroids. By the way, Ryan, Jimmy Butler is DeMar DeRozan on steroids. <laughs> but he, he's the second best player on a really good team. Like, DeMar DeRozan would make a really good second guy to where your best player goes on the bench, and DeMar just holds it down for about 10, 15 minutes. And, and Well, I mean, you, you see it. You see, you see how, how those teams fare out. I mean, when you have that – when your best player is really the should be, I should say, the second best player on a really good team like a Golden State or a Houston or, uh, a, well, Cleveland, I don't know. Cleveland, to me, is not a really good team. They just got LeBron. But Boston, you know, then you're not you, – you, if, if that, that player is your best player, you're not going to get anywhere. And, of course, we know that – far too well with Jimmy Butler and what he did with Minnesota. They didn't get anywhere. Now, of course they got all the talent in the world. They got better players. They got cat, but still you're not going to get far with someone like that being your best player on your team. um, No matter how hard you try. And I compare that to golden state. Who is the second best player on golden state? Uh, what Clay? Uh, I don't even know. I mean, it, it, you could go so many ways on Golden State. Best player on Golden State. What'd Golden you say? State's two best players are the best player on every other team except one. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Like they, they, they have an endless amount of talent. It's just ridiculous. KD and Steph, like one A, well, I won't even say second. There's one A and one B. Then you got Clay and Draymond, who might be. 2A, 2B. You know, then Houston, your second best player is one of the best point guards of his time in CP3. So there's that. Like, you, you, I guess you, you sh- I, I shouldn't have expected a lot because I, I, I did have high hopes for Toronto. Um, I really want to know what is going on in DeRozan's life because I, I, I feel like something is mentally you know, holding that man back from being just a tad bit better. Because the talent has always been there. And he's he's tapped into a lot of it, but I feel like he may have been able to take it just a higher, a little bit higher, you know. But I don't know, man. I I need to know what's going on with that man. What else is there for DeRozan to do, honestly? I mean, for a third of the season. He could be a better three-point shooter. Perhaps he could better be a better facilitator and know how to make other players better because I don't see him knowing how to make other players better. And it seems like that's what he was working on this year a little bit, um, the range and the facilitation. But, I mean, I, I, just, I think it is what it is. Even maxed out, he's, he's that second-tier superstar where, I mean, where you don't – 
even know whether it's a superstar. You know what I'm saying? It's it's. Yeah, he's an all star. He, you know, we were talking MVP for the first third of the season, and then, you know, he was a really really good basketball player, which he is. You know, Demar Derozan. I would take Demar Derozan on my team too. Demar Derozan has to be a, either the second best player on a really good team, or he needs another player on his team just as good as he is. And that's not Cal Lowry. So he is 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 on that level of DeRozan there. Hmm? <laughs> you don't think Cal Lowry is on that level of DeRozan? Oh, no, there, Cal huh? Lowry. I mean, uh, DeMar DeRozan is better than Cal Lowry. He's a better basketball. Just overall, he's a better basketball. Okay. Uh, Cal Lowry yeah. is the third best player on a really good team. Yeah. Yeah. Like if hmm. I said, if Damian Lillard were in the East, Cal Lowry would never make the All Star team. That I that I can fully agree with. If you were to and, and Washington would never do this, a, yeah. a wall for Lowry trade would really benefit Toronto. That would be sweet. I could see that that working out well for DeRozan and the type of player he is. Yeah, man, that would be and nice. Ibaka has to go. It's got to go because at this point. What is he giving you? Well, he was supposed to be a, a defensive stopper. I haven't really paid attention to Ibaka a lot, man. It just seems like he's just there. Ever since he left OKC, he's just there. Ibaka hasn't been given you anything to pay attention to. And to be honest with you, I would have taken a, a – what's your boy's name that they traded to Orlando who who broke out as a, like a, a good defensive piece. Diambo? African guy. Biombo, yeah. Biombo was nice. He was on he was when he was on the Raptors that playoff uh la- the playoffs last year. He 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 brought it. Biombo got a lot of money for one playoff game. That 2020 game he had. Or was that the, the I don't Wizards know, man. he did that against, I think, or something like that? Got- it might have been I just thought that he had a really good playoff. He was good in the playoffs that year, and that kind of shot his value up a little bit. But uh, it just seems like Ibaka's kind of just fell into the abyss. I, I don't know where his – I thought his career would would, would kind of go up, but apparently not. Toronto needs to to, change, to change the culture. Yeah, I know you got rid of Casey, but, again, I say Casey is, is a big part of the blame, but he's not entirely the blame. You have to change that roster. You can't you can't go and and pat yourself on the back because your team enters the playoffs with the the best bench in the East. That that's not going to do a whole lot for you. Um, yeah, I think Toronto needs to put together some sort of package uh, that includes Ibaka, even if you got to trade Lowry and you got to get an upgrade in personnel to where you have somebody with DeRozan. And I know DeRozan and Lowry are close, but you got to have somebody with with DeRozan, that when DeRozan's having a night, like the other night, uh, like the night where he disappeared, and then Casey helped him to disappear, which may be another reason why he'll be coaching Orlando mm-hmm. or something next year. Um, you need somebody that when when DeRozan's having a, a difficult time can just come along and get it going and and carry it for a while. And not just that, you need a guy who is going to 
be able to defensively make a difference while being effective offensively. Yeah, that's a good point. So would you do it like an Ibaka Lowry trade for John Wall straight up? Or what would you how would you do that? Sure. Um Ibaka yeah. Lowry for John Wall. I mean if you if you want to throw in um the Morris twin or something like that, I'd do that. Okay. Okay. That sounds that sounds I don't, I don't see Washington yeah. doing that though. Yeah. That's interesting. But I mean, good point. I mean, it, it will be it will be good for Washington, honestly, because now you can see that Wall is getting a little uh, discontented out there, uh, constantly beefing with teammates and stuff like that. So um, it, it will be a good change of scenery for Wall as well. But I don't I don't really see that see that coming to fruition. But hey, you never know. Yeah, I think it's time for him to make that move too. I think it's time for a lot of people to make a move, man. Russell Westbrook needs to get out of OKC. Is it, is it Russell Westbrook needs to get out of OKC, or does Russell Westbrook need a coach with some cojones and guts to tell him to let the ball go? You know what? But how many coaches that are on the market will do that? You mean Pop is not on the market. Kerr is not on the market. Brad Stevens ain't going nowhere. There's only a hand, a, 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 a number of coaches that I can think of off the top of my head that probably will have the the cajones to come at a Russell Westbrook and for him to respect that that voice but they're not on the market they're not they're not going anywhere yeah a, a nice Quinn Snyder would be good for him somebody who has that that type and, of intensity where dude I'm just as angry as you are let me let me tell you something Quinn Snyder I was telling somebody yesterday Quinn Snyder looks like the arch enemy of Batman or something. Like the dude should be in a, a a DC comic somewhere. That man has the face for evil. But man, can he coach? Yes, he can. I agree. I agree with that. Changed the whole tide of that Blazers series because he switched the offense. He switched the offense going into one of the games after they lost. It it was it was impressive, man. He's another. He's another. Yeah. I, I want to say up and coming, because again, Utah they need, they need one more guy. Oh man, just guy. one. Just one. And they're, and they're right there, man. Ingles is a good. Now I got a question for you. I, I got I got a question for you with that. Since you bring up Utah, what position do you think that they need that one more guy, that one piece? What position? Yeah, would you say power forward or would you say wing? Get another wing. Joe, Joe Ingles is a great, is one of those great six-man types where you bring him in and he can play about three or four positions for you. Um, he has a, he's like a, a Draymond Light uh, type of cat. Um, but you bring in another wing for Utah that can get it done for them. Maybe a DeRozan type. And they're... You know, they're on their way, man. They're on their way. Hmm. So you think if DeRozan goes to that team, that that type of style, that that system with Donovan and if Rubio's healthy, because I like Rubio as a, a, a facilitator. I, I, I don't like him for anything else, but I do like him for his passing, and he definitely knows how to set up teammates. So 
I'll give him that. That's what it, your point guard is at least supposed to be able to do. Um, and then, of course, you got Gobert. Uh, yeah, that 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 would be that would be tasty. Yeah, and Rubio, Rubio's. I got to give it to him. He's improved his shot. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't save my mother based on his shot. I wouldn't risk my mom's life on that. But you know, Rubio has improved his shot to where you're not afraid of him shooting. You're not saying, "Oh, don't take that." Um, yeah, and point. the defensive defensively, he's solid. He gambles a lot, but yes, he does. But defensively, he's he's solid. And uh, you know, Snyder's gotten him to play a little more position defense and staying in front of his man. Uh, and just you know, he plays at a position which is hard to stay in front of your guy in today's league. If the point guard is hard to stay in front of, yeah. if he's worth any of his salt, so. Um, you know that that they they got something there. They need one more. They need one more dog in that stable, man. And they'll be oh, because Donovan Mitchell is very young, D Wadey. Yeah, that's exactly who I think of. He has those that that ability, but with a better jump shot. I agree with that too. It looks sweet too, man. That form is pretty. But enough about teams who have lost. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the conference finals. Man, it's, 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 this is where basketball gets real for me. You know, this is I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've been watching playoff basketball, but I, I haven't been paying attention. I haven't been locked yeah. in. This is where we get locked in. Are you gonna go hide away somewhere with a TV and a vault and just watch all the all the games? Oh, this is this is where it's just like <laughs> the kids got to get out in front of the TV and then the wife, <laughs> you know, the, the wife will will not get any response for two hours. This this is this is where you get locked in, oh, man. Oh, okay, all right, I got you. <laughs> and we, we're gonna leave the main course for last. Let's talk about the appetizer, okay. Cleveland and Boston. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What do you see happening? What do you see going on here, man? Well, got to give it to Boston, man. I thought once Kyrie went down and, of course, Gordon in the beginning of the first game of the season, I thought that they didn't have a chance uh, against Philly. And I was proven wrong. That team is is and of course, like we were just talking about, it also goes back to just giving the ultimate credit to the coach. Brad Stevens is a genius. He knows how to motivate his players, young or not, and he just knows how to coach. So I, I have to give it to him. Um, they can go as far as they possibly can. So I really don't know who's going to come out on in, in this series. Yes, LeBron is always going to be LeBron. So you can never count them out in any series. So I, I, I'm honestly tied to just saying I just hope that it is as entertaining as I think it will be. Um, I hope that it goes all the way to game seven. And then in game seven, it has five overtimes. And then somebody wins on a last second shot. I don't, I don't care who it is. I just want to see an exciting game because this is – this is this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. 
I I have to agree with you. Brad Stevens is now in my top three NBA coaches yeah. right now. Um, he he's he's done a masterful job because he's got Al Horford and a bunch of young guns, really, um, who you know. But but the thing is, is their mentality, man. He's got these guys playing yeah. like young lions. I, I look at the way Tatum and Brown are playing. Yeah, there's no fear, and they know they know they have the the athleticism and the physical talent to play the game, and and now they're going with some some courage and some aggression. And Brad Stevens is like, look, we don't have Kyrie. You you guys got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Seen Tatum give Ben Simmons twenty five points a game, and you're seeing. Brown come in and do his thing, and both of them playing well defensively. And you saw the effects of Brad Stevens against Philly. Philly got Philly has a very young, very cocky basketball team with a load of talent. Brad yeah. Stevens brain crushed them guys, man. He brain crushed those guys. He he forced them to make decisions on the basketball court that they were not comfortable making. No. Brad Stevens looked at the tape and he saw Ben Simmons and he told said, whoever's guarding Ben Simmons, I want you to give him 15 feet of room. It, it, there were times when Ben Simmons was standing at the three-point line and nobody was within, within a block of this dude. And basically that's... That's just basketball, man. That is just smart basketball. And that's Brad Stevens saying, okay, you haven't hit a three in over 100 games. You <laughs> right. want to beat us. You have to make this three. Oh, and I know you like to pass mm-hmm. because people play off of you. We're going to make sure you don't have a passing lane to throw into. Right. And Ben Simmons got, got off. You know, he, he got his. But it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a comfortable flow for him basketball-wise. Everything, everything looked, right. looked herky-jerky a little bit and uncomfortable. Um. It was forced. Yeah, it was forced. And MB, you know, he did his thing, but there were there were times with key points, and this is even what I talked about with Casey. There were key points and pivotal moments in the game where Brad Stevens said, "Okay, he's been doing this. Now we'll change it. Now we'll give him this look and see how he responds." Even that last play of Game Five, where he's he's losing the ball and he's got an easy shot, that was a different look defensively. That Stevens gave where the help came from the backside and caused Embiid to lose that ball. Um, Stevens is he, he was just he was just on point in this series and and helping to counter what Philly was good at. Um, Sharich played very well, but I think he looked at the situation like if Sharich is going to be the best one, Sharich is going to be putting up the best numbers on this team. We're pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> if Dario is is doing his thing, then you've just won. And I, and I, you've just and won. I like too. Dario. I really do. Don't get me wrong. I like him. But it's, it's if if that's if you got a team like that with that much talent, and Sharich is the 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 only one who's who's reliable throughout the game, then uh, your opposition is is in pretty good standing. 
You know what? And I, and just to piggyback off of what you said, I agree with that. They're a team that's full of confidence and cockiness. They need probably somebody that's going to come in and just kind of calm the ship down, calm calm that 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 down a little bit, and uh, be able to bring some balance to that 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 cockiness, and have a little bit more maturity uh, when it comes to those moments, those playoff moments. Uh, because obviously the talent is there, and and Ben Simmons just he needs to get a jump shot because any team now can see oh okay well that's how we need to defend him, and it's going to get harder and harder for him to to work against that. So he 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 needs to develop his game uh, a little bit more. Yeah, man, and and I I think by them getting pretty much mopped in this playoffs um, to be ushered out. I think in the long run, that may bode well for Philly, um, because you know, by by all accounts, I've never played the game professionally, but by all accounts, man, when, when you lose in the playoffs and you and you expected a little more from yourself, you know, the colors look different, the food tastes different, the you know, and, and <laughs> they they need that feeling. So, quick quick side point. Uh, we'll carry on talking about the conference finals. A quick side point: I've heard this brought up. Yeah. Five years from now, who would you rather have? Who would you rather be, Philly or Boston? Uh, five years from now. Five years from now, which yeah. which franchise would you rather be? Um, I'm gonna go with Boston. Uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are going to be extremely good, and they do well together. You can't understate that. They do very well together. But I'm sorry. I'm I'm just going uh, uh not not only the players on Boston, but who is running that team. Mm-hmm. Danny Ainge is setting the Boston Celtics up for continued success. And I believe he they have another high draft pick coming up and they got Jason Tatum, they got Jalen Brown. Scary Terry came out of nowhere. He's doing his thing. Kyrie is not an old man, so when he comes back, he's don't he's going to be a beast. And in five years, I think he'll still he'll still be uh, valuable. He'll still be decent. Gordon Hayward as well, and ain't no telling what else they might do. But but because of the way that Danny Ainge manages that team, I have to go with Boston because maybe he sees something not working in, in two years. And so he's going to find some kind of way for them to either get some picks or some assets that can come in and, and, and allow them to rebuild it or, or to, to uh, over, overcome some sort of deficit in a couple of years. And then they'll be right back on the horse. So I, I have to go with Boston. You know, you, you've, you convinced me with that argument because I was going to say Philly um, because I say if Ben Simmons gets any semblance of a jump shot, He's a top 10 player in this league. Um, Joel Embiid, in my opinion, is the best, if not the second best big. I call him the best because Cousins is hurt. Um, yeah. I was, I was going to go with Philly. But that argument, thinking about that that X factor, Danny Ainge, and not just that, Brad Stevens. We're going to see. And, and, there you go. And Brad Stevens is, again, great coach. Great coach. Top three. We're going to see next year how good of a coach Brad Stevens is. And I'll tell you why. Gordon Hayward comes back next year. Yeah. 
And Jason Tatum is good. And Jalen Brown is good. <laughs> and they're young. And they know they're good. How are you going to balance these guys? That's going to be interesting. Yeah. How are you going to balance these guys? And not just that. I'm looking, I'm looking at Boston. And what Danny Ainge does is that I like. Danny Ainge is of the belief that I rather make the change or make the adjustment a year early than a year late. So yeah, I, what he'll do is I wouldn't be shocked if a couple years from now he trades Kyrie Irving. Kyrie has chronic knee problems, which basically means his career is going to going to go down the drain a little quicker than maybe somebody else. And a lot of his game is yeah. based on getting to the basket with shifty moves and quick first steps and, and driving with a little power and, and craftiness. And that's going to be hard to duplicate without the knees. I mean, we see Derek is still doing a little bit, but Derek started off on a, on a freak of nature-ish level. Um, Kyrie's effective getting to the basket, but it's more off the dribble than just sheer quickness and speed. So if Kyrie loses a step, it can really make a difference there. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Kyrie was dealt maybe a couple years from now because Danny's going to do it a year early before a year late. Um, With Philly, their X factor is Markel Fultz. Man, I almost forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> we saw some flashes toward the end of the regular season. If he comes out and, and say next year and he shows himself to be worthy of a top three selection, I mean, he was the number one guy, yeah. but I mean, ultimately he got traded. And he, but if he shows himself worthy to be a, a lottery pick, top five, top three selection, then Philly could be set for quite some time. Quite some time. So it's going to be fun watching them going forward. Um, but I, at, as of now, looking at it up and down, counting the front office as well as the coaching staff, Boston is in a better position than Philly going forward. There it is. What are your predictions as far as Cleveland and Boston? I know what you would like to see, seven games or five overtime. What what do you think is gonna happen? <laughs> uh, well, I hate to say this, and I truly do hate to say this because I, uh, uh, like even even thinking about saying it is bothering me. Like I want to throw up, but I'm gonna go with Cleveland. I'm gonna go with the Cavs because LeBron just does LeBron. How many? And so they'll find a way to win seven. Oh, I think it's going all the way. If if they if Cleveland stays in this series, it's going to go seven. I don't think they're going to blow Boston out. I don't think they're going to get rid of Boston early in five or six. If this is a series, it's going to go seven. So I got Cleveland in seven. Nobody has stopped them yet. So all right. When as as the playoffs were developing. And, and the Cleveland Cavaliers played the Toronto Raptors, and I knew that they were going to win in no, no more than five games. Um, I didn't foresee Philly 
losing and definitely not losing as quickly. Watching that Philly-Boston series and, and what Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics were able to do and dismantling the Philadelphia 76 as a team, uh, one could argue has more talent. Um, I'm, the more I hear about Boston and the more I'm looking at highlights and tape and numbers, and the more I lean toward Boston. And it's yeah. not going to make any sense. And ultimately, I don't care about predictions because, I mean, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think Boston can beat them. Oh, I think they can too. I don't think that's without question. I, I may be overanalyzing this. But I think Boston can win in six. Okay. I don't I, I don't I don't discredit that at all. I, I only said if Cleveland stays in this series, it will go seven. But if Boston is doing what I think Boston can is capable of doing, then it can be done earlier than seven. I definitely agree with six. So I'm I'm with you on that. I just you you know how you have to see it to believe it. Nobody has beaten LeBron yet. So I, I guess I just did the cop out thing and said LeBron. I don't want to, but it's LeBron. And one thing too, Boston has a lot of bodies that can throw at LeBron. That's true. A lot of bodies that can throw a lot of different individual looks, and then Stevens is obviously going to come up with some team strategies. But they got a lot of things they can throw at LeBron, and I think Brad Stevens won't neglect so much the the other guys. Um, I don't I don't think he he wants to allow those peripheral players or Shaq calls them the others to go off and beat them. You know, if if, if we're gonna lose, LeBron's got to beat us. It's like J.R. Smith is not gonna shoot me out. Uh, Alcorn's yeah. not going to kill me. You know what I'm saying? Tristan Thompson's not going to kill me. I think Aaron Baines is a good matchup against Tristan Thompson. And and by the way, I've, I've, been, wanting to, I've been saying this for years, and I'm, I'm, I can now say it uh, on a more public forum. I know the NBA hasn't called a moving screen in about eight years. Um, <laughs> I think the last one was Kevin Garnett. Um <laughs> But Tristan Thompson has never set a legal screen in his life. <laughs> I, I, I haven't really paid attention to watch it. Him. Now you got me waiting to watch it. Watch him. <laughs> He's never – something's always moving. It's always a leg poking out, an arm moving, a grab. He, oh, that's funny. That is funny. I'm, 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 Dude, it's relentless I'm, fouling when he screams. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I have um, Boston in six. Um, I think you can. We're not gonna shut them down, but you can guard LeBron with Morris. You can guard LeBron with Tatum. You can guard LeBron with Brown. All of them have a chip on their shoulder, um, so they're gonna take pride in the matchup. Um, and still, you can because you can switch it up. You're not going to tire any one of them out to the point where they'll be ineffective offensively. Um, 
Terry Rozier is going to be a, a huge X factor. Game one is going to be a huge X factor in this series. Yeah. So that that's that's what I look to see. So now on for the main event, the main course. Yes. What we've been waiting for since the middle of October. Yes. Golden State. I'm on with it. Houston Rockets. Warriors and Rockets. The Warriors have acknowledged that they know that Houston was built exactly for them. Houston has acknowledged who the Warriors are. And they believe completely that they can beat them with ease. Houston has the 2-1 matchup edge in the regular season. But we know how I feel about regular season meetings. This thing is, is gonna be it's gonna be a war. It's gonna be a war. <laughs> what do you what do you got going on, Jordan? Hey, man, you just don't know. I am getting giddy just thinking about it. You put a smile on my face, man, when you said it is going to be a war. And that it truly is. Uh, just the fact that they're acknowledging, okay, yeah, we're we coming for you, and we made this team for you because we knew we were going to be at this point where we were going to be facing you. Oh, boy, I, uh, I just can't wait. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and lock myself in a room and watch this series as well. Uh, I got I got Houston. I got Houston. I felt that way at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to stick to my guns. I think they will finally do away with the Warriors, or at, at least for just this year. Um, they just have so much firepower, man. I mean, Chris Paul, James Harden, Trevor Ariza, Joe Green, Eric Gordon, Anderson, Oh my goodness! And then you got the secret assassin on the bench. Ain't even played yet. One James, no, not James. Uh, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is on the bench, just sitting there chilling. Now I'm not saying that he's a, he's he's an X factor. I'm I'm not going to exaggerate the point, but it's still Joe Johnson. Got like like that's my whole point. They just have people on the bench waiting. In the in the in the in the background, if they need them, this is it's ridiculous. I'm going with Houston. I'm going to say, uh, let's see. I'm going to say seven, seven. I'm going to go seven with this series too. I think in both playoff series, this going to go to distance. But yeah, Houston's going to take it in this one. Golden State's my team, man. And, uh, oh man. I watched the Houston Rockets and I watched them against Minnesota. Uh-huh. And I watched them play against Utah. 50 point quarter, brother. All I gotta say, 50 point quarter. Hey, it's Minnesota. And I watched them against Utah. <laughs> and I see holes. I see holes. I see holes. Holes in the dirt. Everywhere. Um Especially defensively, as as is tradition with a D'Antoni team. Hmm, that's true. I believe that. Who do you guard Kevin Durant with? All right, you want to get all technical? Okay, you can't guard Kevin Durant. There's nobody on that team. Perhaps they might throw 
Joe Green at him, but that ain't gonna work. I, I, I'm with you on that. PJ Tucker's too undersized, but I'm gonna say they might throw PJ Tucker at him. Like shooting over a chair. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I like PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is grimy. His his shoe game is on point. Um, <laughs> it is, man. Can't win a game. PJ Tucker is one of the one of the uh, the bigger sneakerheads in the league, man. They say it's a lot of players, even like LeBron, like looks at his shoes because he's got a lot of collector style shoes. I'm not a sneakerhead, but I do admire the guys who are and, and what they come out of their collection. Oh yeah, but um, I, I like his hustle, his hustle, his grind. You know, PJ Tucker. He can be on my team any day. Yeah, definitely. You better not put him on Kevin Durant. Um, Who else they gonna put on him? That's my point. So mm-hmm. here's my analysis before I tell you why I think Golden State's gonna win the six games. Um, Chris Paul and Stephen Curry. Chris Paul is known as a good defensive guard and I'll take it Um, but every time Stephen Curry plays against Chris Paul Stephen Curry cooks Chris Paul (laughs) Chef Curry Chef Curry with the shot he cooks Chris Paul so I'll give that edge to Golden State okay I'm agreement James Harden Clay Thompson, I give that edge to Houston. But that being of course. said, Clay Thompson is one of the best defensive guards, if not the best defensive guard in the league. Now, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, I agree with you, and, and I have to think about it even a little more. Now, as much as James Harden is in MVP talks, and you know what he does on a daily basis, head to head, James Harden isn't that great on defense. So I believe, like, when you're saying, you know, him versus anybody, can he stop Klay Thompson on the defensive side? And I say no to that. See, so I don't think it's that big of a gap when you say that 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 head-to-head matchup. And James Harden's going to have to move because even if – who can you hide James Harden on that isn't moving off the ball? This is what makes Golden State yeah. so hard to beat over the course of a series is there's so much ball movement and player movement that they're hard to defend. What beat what beats Golden State and what has beaten them in the past is when things are going well, they start to play around too much and get flashy and and get all Harlem Globetrottery. That's how Cleveland <laughs> Yeah, right. That's how Cleveland beat them in that, that one year, right? They started turning the ball over because I'm going to throw behind the back and under the legs and around them. If you've noticed Golden State this year, even though they haven't won as many regular season games because they were resting guys, guys were injured, and they should have been out two weeks, and they were like, no, take off four weeks. Even though these things were happening, one thing I noticed about Golden State this year is you didn't see as much of the, the show playground type uh, behind the back, no look, 
under the legs. You didn't see a lot of those plays like you've seen in past years. I think that comes with growing up a little bit. Because of that, they're going to make the simple pass, make the easy play, and keep the ball movement, keep the player movement going. And that's going to be the difference. That's how they're going to beat any and everybody. Because they have too many shooters with too much range, and it's too much open floor to work with. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I, I guess this is the podcast for being convinced. Because... <laughs> You just gave me all good arguments and all good points. So I, I might have to, uh, not might, I, I, I will change my pick to Golden State. I didn't factor in uh, one thing that is extremely important, which is you said they are great at ball movement and player movement. They are constantly going all over the place. And, you know, that can tire a team out. No matter how good you are on the offensive side, you, you're, you're going to, you know, drop off if you don't have any energy, you know, and you, if you're going to have to commit so much of it to that defensive side of the, of the court. So I, I, I feel like, yeah, Golden State will probably take it there. And with the Warriors, if one guy, one of their stars has a bad game, the other three will pick them up. There's no margin for error for Chris Paul or James Harden to have a bad game. That's a good point. And Lord forbid if, if Eric Gordon continues to shoot badly, if Trevor Ariza continues to shoot badly. You mentioned Joe Johnson. I don't I don't know what that corpse is going to offer them. Um, <laughs> Joe Green, you know, he he gives them some instant offense and and some 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 street appeal when he comes in. I, I just... <laughs> street appeal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I, I, I don't see how I just I don't see how over the course of two weeks playing them over and over again, how they figure out how to beat Golden State four times. So I see Houston getting one, maybe even game one. Um but Golden State overall is just gonna wear them down. Well, you got my vote. <laughs> so while we're on the topic of Golden State, and uh, what do you think about the talk that, and, and I've, I've always mentioned this because he's always made reference to this, but it's still shocking people. Clay Thompson is talking, is talking about working out his extension and taking far less money than market value to stay on the Warriors. What do you think a decision like that uh, does? I, I, I think that's a stand-up thing to do. To me, I, I, if I'm in his shoes, I probably would do the same thing. I mean, I don't have any anywhere near the type of money that these athletes make. So um, $500,000 to me is a lot of money. Heck, $100,000 a year to me is a lot of money. I'll be a bench warmer for my career if that if that's the case. But, you know, you taking a, a, a reduction in, in pay for the benefit of the team so that they perhaps can get somebody else on there? Oh, of course. That's smart. And then you're on a team that is a championship team. And, and why would you want to leave that in your right mind? Why? Because you want to make your own, you know, path and do what you got to do and be the man somewhere else? Okay, that's cool. We saw plenty of players do that. 
we 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 saw Carmelo stay in New York because of the money. We we saw other people leave teams so they can be the man, and yet that team didn't do diddly squat. So if it was up to me, I would I would I would do exactly what Clay was Clay is doing. You know, take a pay cut, still getting paid crazy money, life changing money, and allow the team to you know take care of business and perhaps fill some holes that they need to fill in the in the the uh the future and build the team up even more. These guys in Golden State right now are what 29, 30, 28, 29, 30? Yeah, uh-huh. around that range. So we're looking at maybe another four years of this if they stay together. Yeah. That's a lot of years, man. We're talking about yeah. if, if they make the finals this year, that's four straight years in the finals. And then you're talking about adding another four years to it. And I, I'm of the firm belief that whoever comes out of the West is going to win the championship. So let's say it's them and they win the championship. And you're talking about seven out of eight years potentially winning the championship. The way that, that, that uh, eight in a row is revered from the Celtics in the 60s, 50s and 60s. To do it in the modern era of basketball, everybody wants to be the man, and everybody wants to get their coin. That says something. For Clay Thompson to say, hey, we're a part of something big here. We're part of something revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take less money to continue to be a part of something revolutionary. That's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, man. That's that means you're thinking of it as it's bigger than you, man. It's it's bigger than me. It's about the team, and that that's a good mentality. You don't see that a lot nowadays. Matter of fact, you don't see that almost at all. Uh, you know, if a person has a chance to make crazy money, they usually take it. No matter what profession they're in, you don't see a lot of people, you know, taking the back, you know, uh, seat to anybody, whether it be the uh, a team goal or uh, you know, they're saying, well, we, we could do all of these different things that can make the, the group better or the team better or the, the, the company better. But if you just take this pay cut, please do this for man, give me my money. No, so so that that that's big ups to him, man. If if that goes through like that, big ups to him. Because by all accounts, he's leaving roughly fifty million dollars on the table. Oh my God. Where's that table at? So I can get it a little bit. Man. But he'll still be making what five nine five years ninety or five years ninety-eight. But he could potentially make like one forty or one forty-eight over the over the course of the <laughs> same time if he were to just go somewhere else and be the guy, which I full I fully believe Clay Thompson could be the best player on a playoff team. I'm not I'm not saying what yeah. seed they would be, but they will be a playoff team. Yeah. But he's he's leaving that on the table to continue with something great. And I'm not saying that because I'm partial or biased to Golden State. I just think overall that's that's an admirable thing to do. Yeah, it, it definitely is admirable. So I, I mean I guess uh it's up to where I think Draymond is up coming up too. So it's up to him whether he's gonna throw a monkey wrench in the works. All right. Um, I believe the NBA draft lottery 
is coming up soon. Uh, so that's yeah. are some sporting events we got to look forward to. Uh, that's some real exciting yeah. to see if if uh, how that order falls, especially if the Bulls move up or uh, if any other interesting developments take place. Uh, a few interesting teams involved in the lottery process this year. Uh, so we look forward to that. Of course, the Eastern Conference Finals uh, starts on Sunday with the Cleveland-Boston matchup, and then Monday comes through with Houston and Golden State. Uh, so we look forward to, to diving in with, with fork and knife into those matchups. Oh, yeah. Stay House Podcast is on Twitter at Stay House Podcast. You can be emailed, stayoutpodcast at gmail.com. We've got a lot to look forward to this week. That'll be the end of our podcast. I've been Chris, been with Jordan. See you next week. All right now.